0: Welcome in, hoop heads, and welcome into another NBA Hangtime episode. We are remembering our dear brother, Sekou Smith. Joining us today is two former NBA Hangtime hosts, Rick Fox and Lang Whitaker. Thank you guys for being here today. Thank you. Absolutely. So diving right into this, can both of you describe the first time you met Sekou and what that experience was like? I don't remember th- the first time
1: we met in person. We met on the internet before we met in person. He'd been the Pacers B writer and then he became the Atlanta Hawks B writer and I was working at Slam and somehow we started emailing in the middle of all that and um kind of got to know each other a little bit via email and then finally met in person at one of those Hawks games. But I don't I don't remember the exact game. And then we just saw each other on the road a lot. That's like kind of an NBA writer thing. Well, when people used to travel, but I would see Seku at games on the road, and you know, we we both liked to hang out and go get something to eat after games, and um, started hanging out there. Do you, Do you remember Rick when you met him? I think it was through his work. Um, like,
2: in other words, his work was prevalent and respected. So I I was you know reading and following some of that, being a Turner employee, and uh, but also then I don't know the exact moment I found myself um, working with him but i do remember the feeling i had the first time i worked with him and in that regard and i've had this a couple times in my life when i've been in the presence of teammates for the first time you know they give off a certain uh level of of, of intensity or approach in preparation or in seriousness or in, uh, and uh and they have a game face uh, you know and and so you're feeling each other out and i just remember thinking to myself this dude had to play ball, man. Like, yeah, like he was he a pro? Like, because you know we have so many NBA guys, hired athletes working for Turner. And I'm thinking to myself, did I miss him somewhere? Maybe it was college. Like, you know, because <laughs> because because he just he carried himself. But like, I already knew the IQ for the game and 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 the knowledge of the you know the the league was there because I was already following him. But I never really. Maybe I missed in the bio that like he played and he was like you know starting point guard for X Y Z Michigan you know because he just he just had a a level of oh man it reminded me of like some of the teammates I've been around that I was like okay I better bring my game like, I better I better like I can't be half stepping this shit here around this dude because he gonna sniff it out.
1: Well, you obviously hadn't visually seen myself or Seiku then if you thought we were former players.
2: (laughs) Well look, I'm telling you, man, look, we all hey, you're talking to the guy that's fighting every day just to stay, you know, stay in the type of game shape I was as a player. But I remember I just remember him having a level of of intensity under the surface that that you knew If you were in his, if you're going to be his teammate or if you were, if they would, if you were doing something with him, if you were on the desk with them, if you were doing the podcast with them, like when the jump, when the ball went up, game was serious. Let's go. And that was, I got that. You know, I got that immediately from being around him.
1: I can remember the first time Seiko and I met you because we had done the podcast for maybe a year or two. And then you came on at Turner. Someone at Turner emailed us and was like, Hey, Rick Fox is going to be your new co-host. And Sekou calls me and he's like, do you know him at all? And I was like, no, you and I had done that social media award show. That was all. And so I was like, I spent a couple of days with him when we did that. And he was awesome. Like, you know, like we, we kind of hung out. It was all good. He was awesome to hang around with. I, I'm sure it'll be fine. And then like one of the first shows we did with you, you told this long story about uh, when you retired and how you, you were in tears and like Phil Jackson called you aside and was like, hey, you should go into coaching. I don't know if you remember telling us this story. Yeah. <laughs> you told us this long story about it. And uh, and then on the show, I, and in my head, I was thinking, you know, I could make a pretty funny joke here, but, like, I don't really know Rick that well. Maybe I shouldn't go there. And I was like, you know what, I'm just going to do it. And I said, you yeah, know, what if we found out later Phil just pulled you aside because he just felt bad for you. And he was like, because you said you couldn't get out of your head. but yeah. And you laughed and you thought it was great. And I was like, all right, so we're, we're good. This is going to be a good friendship here and a good team that we're going to build between the three of us. That was kind of how it all started. I think
2: he jumped in pretty quickly right there. Out, <laughs> he was very. I think he was waiting for the opportunity. Um, the, the, you know, the bazingas. You know, like the, the ability to, to the wittiness and and the joy he got from we we got from ribbing each other. I mean, we would bust your balls and even. I, I love that. There's no greater compliment uh, in friendship in a working environment when your coworkers are comfortable enough to call you on your shit. Yeah. literally call you on your shit and uh but at the same time you know have that that banter and playfulness that we got because look again when you're working as seriously as we all did and as seriously as a kind of lead driver there as Seiko was at the hang podcast he kept us on track and you yeah. know i can get off track i can i can go oh. off the tangent you Dude. know I'm not, I'm not a journalist and a writer um, but he would always pull us back. And and, I, and sometimes, I, I tell you the honest truth, sometimes I'd float stuff out there to get a sense of whether I was in the right orbit with some of my ideas. Because I knew if they got past Seiko, and I knew if they got past you, that I could actually take them out in the real world. <laughs> I just forgot we were doing a podcast and that was going to the
3: real world. Yeah,
1: it was going out. <laughs> <laughs> I remember you, you workshopping some of your stuff against us. Like one time you had a... What was it? You were going to host The View or something, and you were, you had this whole thing you wanted to go about on there about shit, at, or esports athletes, athletes, or something like that, but you Game I remember you, athletes, yeah, yeah you, you brought it up with me and Seku first to, like, throw it against the wall and see if it would stick before you brought it on the air. I knew Seku would call bullshit.
2: I knew if you were cracking a joke about it and, making, and calling me, like, I knew I wasn't about to take that to the world or I knew if I could convince you guys and debate it with with you guys, that it was credible. And we did it with players. We did it with league stuff, team stuff, draft stuff. And uh, it was so effortless. And again, like, you know, look, being a host of a show or kind of, uh, you know, directing and guiding and being the you know orchestrator of or something like that when you're dealing with both of us, you and me, <laughs> uh, that are always looking for the fun in it. Um he did a great job of getting the hang time podcast across to the viewers and the listeners the way he did.
1: The word you use you know such a good word was the effortless. Like, I mean, I hung out with Saker a ton and I never saw him like work on hosting the podcast. You know what I mean? Like it, it just seemed like it was just natural. Like he would sit down, flip a switch, and boom, he had that voice, and he would go into hosting the thing. And the greats do that though. Lang, do that, right? And when I say the greats do that, I
2: look, I, I think of I think of yourself. I think of say people <laughs> I've been around. No, I'm talking about people that around that can can not only think on their feet, exceptionally well, but can put to word, can actually or, be orders. Uh, like that's a rare gift, right? Because uh, you're telling stories. You're actually you're painting pictures for people, right? And the reason I always say it looks so effortless, or or he made it look effortless, whether he was on camera, whether he was on an audio, was because he was always thinking. He was always. In that mode of of, of that creative uh, conversation with himself about a topic or an idea or a theory or a thesis on something, you could see it, right? And, you know, and, uh, and so from that standpoint, um, he always was prepared because he was always in game. Not only did he live the game of basketball, he just lived. He lived and breathed, evolving his thought process or the things he thought about or the ideas he had that he wanted to debate or share. It was always on, man, and and that's the only way I could equate it. You know, I I turn off, man. You know, like every once in a while, have to.
0: But he he, he did in that regard. You guys brought up he might call you out on certain times and stuff like that. And what was something that Seiku taught you or something that you admired about him? I, I you know I found out as I was you know really
2: kind of sitting quietly the last few weeks uh, in a couple of places where I usually get body work and I get. know kind of roughing and i can sit quietly and think about things and and the, the real takeaway for me that i was realizing was that you know we're blessed at times to have people in our life that we we admire but we don't necessarily know why we admire them uh you know we don't take the time to stop and go what is it about this person that i just like wish i was like you know and and, uh, and when it came to these moments the last few weeks, and I was thinking about why am I so like upset? Why am I so touched uh, You know, uh, with Seku's passing? You know, what is it about him and my life that really I'm going to miss? And what is it about the way he conducted his life that I admire so much? And it was that when I think about the times I, I've been around Seku, like I said, in a work environment, but when the podcast was down or off or the cameras are off and down, A, he was always the same person. And, you know, and that's hard to pull off when you're an entertainer, right? To be true enough and authentic enough to bring yourself to your work and to be courageous enough to A, reveal that, whether it's it's in your opinions, whether it's in your stance that you take. But the things that I took away and I admire most the areas in my life that I've failed uh, is in being a father, being a husband, being in relationship uh, with my coworkers, these are all places where I've fallen short, right? And it's all places that I aspire to get better at. And with him, I recognize in him, as I look back on my time around him, he was all of those things that I wanted to get to. And he was an example of it. And he was living it. And I got to see it when the camera was off and on. That's awesome. And that's what I loved about him.
1: I told someone the other day, uh, I was like, you know, you and and Seiko and I lived on a bus together for multiple weeks at a time, and and we were on camera for maybe an hour a day, but the other 23 hours, we weren't on camera, (laughs) right? I mean, and we got to see all parts of each other, (laughs) the the good, the bad, you know, all the different sides of each other, and uh so you see seiko we got to see seiko when he was in a good mood when he was in a bad mood and that was to be honest some of the funniest times was when seiko would be in a bad mood because he could be a grumpy dude which was great <laughs> there was nothing better than to get seiko pissed off about something and get him going it's like that older brother yeah for sure and i i've told people this the last couple of weeks like you know I, I have a younger sister but i never had an older brother And I think in a lot of ways, Seiku kind of became that for me, just to have someone who you can talk to. I mean, his kids are older than my son, so you could ask him about fatherhood or being married or having a job, all those kind of things, you know, like um Seiku was only a couple years older than me, but it it felt like having that older brother that, that I didn't have otherwise. I always felt like he he knew the question you needed to
2: ask him before you even asked it. In other words, like, like sometimes I throw a question out and I do it with humor, jokingly, right? But he would always deliver, sometimes he'd deliver the answer seriously as if it wasn't a joke that I needed to get, I needed to hear this answer. And I'd always play it off. But, you know, those days, those those, ba- those days on the bus for two weeks at, t- at a time, those times sitting courtside calling a game, you know, at a, a summer league game, um, doing the hot hang time podcast. I mean, I should share these and I'm willing to share it all the photos and videos I have from that bus trip with the family for sure. They should see it. I mean, I have video of him sleeping and like, like all the fun stuff that we did we have all the photos of us stopping the Indiana going stopping in Indiana and in Indianapolis and, uh, you know, and, and going and seeing his photo on the wall and the, uh, different things that gave you a snapshot of the history, his history as a journalist, going back,
1: you know? Do you remember, I was thinking about this the other day, you and, you and me and him were on the bus, we were in Beverly Hills, we were going up to, what's that, the Griffith Observatory, is that what it's called, yeah. like on that mountain? Huh? And yeah. we were like, we were winding up around the hills and on the TV, on the bus, the Michigan-Michigan State game was playing. Yeah! And that Michigan State block punt thing happened. <laughs> And we're with we're like, as it happens. And he just goes silent. Like, he's just completely oh, he's shattered. Too. I remember we got to the top of the hill, and he goes, hey, Lang. And he went over, and he Kicked one leg over the fence like he was gonna jump. <laughs> he's like, yeah. take it. he goes, take a picture and send it to Smitty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, and he and Smitty's love
2: for their rivalry between Michigan State and Michigan was a beautiful thing. Uh, it was constant. It was, it was. Boy, he rocked. he rocked the blue and gold with pride. And uh, man, I don't know. I don't know any other. I mean, C Web is you yeah. know Michigan man, but I don't know any other. Uh, Michigan. When I think of Michigan, and I think of Sekou,
1: like, that's how I think of the Michigan. You know? Oh, yeah, for sure. The moment Harbaugh got that extension, I texted Sekou, congrats! Just kidding, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> know, you got your guy. Long time. He he no it. response. He did not, uh, yeah, he did not vibe
2: with that one.
0: You guys brought up Sekou's work ethic and stuff like that, right? One thing we've been hearing a lot is that Sekou was a true professional, right? What do you think it was about Sekou that made him a true professional also, or like what made people gravitate towards him?
1: I can say this, like as a journalist, a big part of your job is getting people to talk to you, right? You want people to give you information Um, and you have to figure out how to reach different types of people because everyone, you listens differently. Everyone interacts differently. And Seiko was so good at, at just getting people to talk to him. You know, he would, he could go up to you he could laugh with you. He could be serious with you. He could, whatever it took to get you to interact. He knew how to hit that button and to make it happen. And then to build those relationships, you know, he he was constantly texting people, calling people, people calling him. Um, all that stuff. Like he was really good as a journalist at, at just that personal part of it, the interactive part of it. Uh, there was uh, one year we were taping a podcast around the trade deadline. We were in that little studio at Turner um, sitting in there and, and like on a break or something, uh, his phone rings. And it was the assistant GM of a team calling him to tell him like, Hey, we're about to make this trade. It's going to get announced in an hour. Or so just want you to have a heads up. Uh, here's why we did it, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, that was pretty amazing. Like, they called him to tell him about it. You know, he wasn't, like, having to text and call and all that stuff. They were like, we just want you to know about this. Um, and to me, like, he never really said anything about it, but that always stuck in my mind as, like, a, a great example of all that work you put in. That, that's why you do it. That's how it pays off, and that's sort of the benefit of it. But to me, that's something that made him such a good journalist was just his ability to not only talk to you, but his ability to get you to talk to him. I would quickly say I, I loved how he just kept taking
2: up more space. Like, I don't know. I don't know if he ever shared it with you, Lang. He never, you know, I don't know if he shared it with anyone else, his his end goal in the game of basketball. But watching his trajectory and the way he consistently made himself indispensable, I, at some point he was going to be a GM or at some point he was going to run a team. Like, I, I met him as... The Hang Time podcast journalist, and then it was a podcast. Then we're on the road. Then he's on the desk. Then he's like, you know, it's like he was, he was constantly proving his value to the game. Forget just to turn a family or as journalist. Like he was becoming an anchor in the game in a way that you know, as you say, people call him to give him the updates. Right? They call like it was the game was his life. But he treated with the t- treated the game with the type of respect that it was a calling, right? The game had called him to do this and to be a steward and a and, and, a, and a guardian of the truth, but also of excellence, right? And I've only I've had a couple other teammates in my life that remind me of him. It's ironic that you know he Indiana and Larry Bird was my rookie, you know I was his rookie, Larry Bird's rookie. But you know whereas I was you and I are maybe more like Kevin McHale. Seku was more like Larry, like in the layup line, it was all business, you know, whereas, you know, we'd be joking around. Right. Um, And I think about Kobe. I think about the person that that in my life I look to and I think back on, you know, rest of both their souls, man. They passed on the same day, you know, and and I think about how they both made it look so effortlessly on the surface. But underneath, you just knew they were giving you more effort and energy and and focus and passion that anyone else in the room was giving, and and they just made it look cool and it made it look easy. Um, but but that's the suit up, show up mentality that who like had. And and you don't keep climbing in the game. You don't keep climbing in our universe and among legends. I mean, look, we can Turner can sign what? What next? Other NBA legend can come sit on a desk? What actually, You know, they, we they got the pick of the litter. From coaches to GMs to legends, but nobody was kicking him off the desk. You know what I mean? That tells you how valuable he was and the value he was bringing. And at some point in time, if they're calling you to tell you and asking you your opinion about who to draft, or what you think about, at a certain point in time, if you want to evolve higher, he would have evolved
1: higher. You know, you bring up Kobe. I'll try to say this without crying, but... I thought back to the day Kobe died um, a year ago, and the first reports were that erroneously that you were on the helicopter with him. Yeah. And Sekou calls me when we see it on Twitter, and he's like, did you see this? And I'm like, yeah. And we didn't really know what to do. Like We were both kind of shocked and sad, and so I didn't want to call your phone because The worst thing would be if you don't answer, right? And so I call your phone. Of course, you don't answer, but you never answer your phone. So, (laughs) but I called Saker back. I was like, man, he he didn't answer. I don't know. I don't know what to say. And then, pretty shortly thereafter, you popped up on social media or somebody said they spoke to you, and and Saker and I took a breath. But um, it just reminded me of the bond that the three of us were able to develop just by talking once a week for, for an hour a week or whatever it was, you know? Um, And I always felt like, you know, when I go through something with somebody where they're, when I'm working with you for that couple of years, whatever it was, and I told my wife this, I put you and I put Seiko in the favorites on my iPhone section for that time. And when that time was over, I just left you guys in there. And I was like, you know what, like, they're always going to be my brothers. I'm always going to leave them in there. And uh, I told her I was like, you know, Seku's gone, but he's staying in my phone. He's staying on that favorite thing. I'm never going to take him out of there. Same for you. You're always going to be in there. So,
2: brother, that's a beautiful, that's a beautiful honor to be there because, um, in life it's hard to to be vulnerable and open and and connect and and we we did that as as a group of, of, of men and especially among men, you know, um, to really. Ah, uh, share the type of journeys we shared. Um, I'm glad we have those memories, man. I'm glad I ha- I know Sekou. I know, known him the way I did with you, and um, and it's a special. We have it on, we have it on film. We have it in audio. That's the amazing part. Uh, that's the amazing part. Um, I love you. I love him, and I'm, i I'm miss them. Uh, and I'm answering my favorite people a lot faster.
1: You mentioned us ripping on each other and, and busting chops and stuff like, you know, one year for Christmas, Seiku gave me uh, a blow up photo of you, me, him and Phil Jackson in New York when we were doing the thing. And the, and I think it was Phil Jackson was making fun of Sekou for being short,
4: but there's a picture of the four of us and we're
1: all laughing and it's like a great photo with us and you and, and Phil um it's like you gave me that blown up one year for christmas and uh i've got it framed at home but it just reminded me of all that stuff yeah
2: we never got together and didn't laugh man i know because we loved we loved we loved the game we love um we loved each other and we admired i think the honesty that we lived amongst each other with you know what i mean like the fact that I could meet and get to know both of you, and that you so quickly be comfortable enough to, so that I could be around you, not as a you know NBA player, celebrity, or whatever, and all that stuff, or as an actor and all that bullshit. Um, That I could just be myself, and that you guys could be my friends,
1: and uh, that we can just have a podcast. Man, Um, I've known you since you were a vegan, so.
2: (laughs) All. Oh, I remember. He would pull some of those podcasts up. You guys. I was like, what? <laughs> like,
0: what? what like, Lang and Rick, just one last question for you guys. Are there is there any last words that you want to leave the NBA fans with or even leave Seiko with?
1: I've kind of said it all, I think. I said it on Twitter. I, I've written it. You know, Seiko's my brother. And uh, I miss him. I'll always miss him. But uh, I don't know what I would say to NBA fans. <laughs> appreciate what you got while it's here you know I think that's one thing we all take away from this is you never know what tomorrow's gonna bring the more people you can have in your life that you can open up to the way I was able to with Seku, the way I've been able to with Rick that just makes your life better I think so I don't I don't really know what else to say other than um I'll always miss him
2: yeah same
1: here um I would just encourage
2: uh those out there that, you know, listen to the podcast, that love the game of basketball, that share it with, you know, buddies from school or buddies at work or friends, you know, family members. Like really, a, a really understand that you may be connecting through the game, but you're also connecting because you love something. You, love, you, share, you have a shared love of something, which, may, which means you actually have a shared love for each other and express that expressed that um and um and and as for his his wife and his kids man they got they got to know him daily they got to be in his life and they have a void now but his legacy as a man similar to kobe's as you saw when when we had to say goodbye to him all of a sudden the world is flooded with all of this these stories and all these memories of how those individuals really impacted people beyond, you know, maybe the average person's knowledge of them. And then it allows people to go and explore the man and the person behind, behind the job. And it's those stories that people tell. If you want to get to know Sekou and you want to honor him and his family, get to know the man and what he stood for and try to see if you can pull one ounce of the character and the ethics and the professionalism
1: and the excellence that he showed up daily with. And you'll be a better person in this world. That's awesome. You, you and I texted after the memorial service, whenever that was last week. And the thing to me, man, when his kids got up there and spoke, um, it was heartbreaking, but at the same time it, it, to me, it really spoke to, to him as a father and, you know, I, the way those kids were able to talk, like, I don't even know if I could have said two words, but they, they spoke so beautifully about him. His wife too. Um, Heather was incredible. And like, it just really spoke to me. It spoke to Seku's legacy of, of his family and kind of what he's leaving behind, you know, and how, how incredible they were. The love he had, the love his wife
2: expressed in that poem, the, the strength that he instilled in his kids to be able to stand. I, I couldn't stand at my own father's funeral. I so put the courage and the strength to honor their father in that moment and to support each other and to carry on his legacy. You know, he he did his job well. Uh,
0: he, He really did his job well as a father and a husband. Lang and Rick would like to thank you for opening up on this episode and sharing your stories and funny times that you have with him and NBA fans. Thank you so much for tuning in to this NBA hang time episode. We'll catch you next time. If you'd like to make a donation to the Saku Smith journalism award scholarship at Jackson state university, visit www.jsums.edu backslash scholarships. That's www.jsu ms.edu backslash scholarships. Click Give on the top navigation bar and be sure to select the Seku Smith Journalism Award from the Choose a Current Use Scholarship menu.
5: Welcome to NBA Time. My name is Kendall Garris, and over the last eight months, I've produced this podcast along Seku Smith. After we saw the outpouring of love from the NBA community following Seku's passing, our production team knew this platform would be the perfect place to celebrate the life of our friend and brother. We welcome in Miami Heat's Jason Jackson and the Athletic's Marcus Thompson. Guys, I just want to start out asking, um, can you just talk about the first time that both of you guys met Seku, or one of your first, most memorable moments or interactions that you had with him starting out?
6: I can start with that one, Jason. Uh, It was in a locker room. I was a brand new beat writer for the Warriors. This back when the Warriors weren't the Warriors, right? They were trash. (laughs) So I just remember... uh, going into the locker room and say cool like yo you know who are you like you know who's this other black dude in the locker room so he introduced himself and then he started showing me around and he was doing his thing where he worked the locker room and you know had some banter for everybody it was, it was funny because at the time like I was trying to be a traditional reporter right you know I have my khakis on and my you know, my shirt was tucked in. You know what I'm saying? I, I was like trying to be a real reporter. I was I was getting my Clark kid on, and then I'm watching say cool, and he's got on like some Nikes, like his shirts untucked. He's cool, and Kenny Anderson is like, you know, calling him the hip hop reporter. And I was like, oh, hold on, I could I could be myself in here. Hold on, I'll have to put on the the uniform. After that, it was over. Jordan's like hat all that I was like let's go So, thank you for liberating me Seku. uh and the crazy part was he had like you could see him in all the relationships so uh, I was just like Yo, how do you do this it just kept hitting him up and like uh he was always ready to help so that was my first time it was in the Atlanta Hawks locker room watching this dude work his magic
2: I had the pleasure of meeting him before I was on a beat, if you will. Uh, those those wonderful days of uh, the NBA tonight and NBA matchup and NBA today only allowed me off the Bristol campus uh, for All-Star in the finals. And so with us all gathered in those spaces, you see everyone. But for building a relationship and having an intimate understanding of the man, that didn't happen for me until – I started covering the heat every day in the mid two thousands, we're in division. And so going to Atlanta and Atlanta coming to Miami, uh, happened the most, you know, in, in, in those division games. And then the playoff series and it's all before he, you know, arrived at uh NBA TV and Mark is very similar to you. That's just an ease and comfort with the brother allows you to kind of embrace that. Like this cat has been on this beat. He's been in this mix uh, he's doing his job at a high level, super respected, telling the truth some truths uh, that his subjects probably didn't always want. but that's the balance, right For those of us that cover games for the team, we make everybody happy. That's our job, right uh, For those of you that cover it as I uh, like to call it uh, professional observers, uh, it, it is it's a different dynamic and it's and it's the appropriate one and he handle it so well but back to the, that interplay, that interaction. That's not the tallest cat in the world, but entirely had the strength and position and power in every single room, respect with players and coaches, which is a different tone. And to, to parlay that and really understand that dynamic while staying true to yourself is a skill set that we all kind of come in trying to figure out, should it be khakis or should I have this untucked or... It's cool to have my lid on. Now, listen, I got to put on makeup and a suit all the time. So I got to transition in that space. But it's great to see the vets, the cats that are already doing it, even though, by the way, Seiko and I enjoy both being tourists if you're into such a thing. I am literally only three days older. And uh, I'm imagining he would hold me to that task uh, to this moment. It's still surreal to, like, Select the right tense to speak of the man because it still feels so current. Not past yet, man. It's not. That yet. Just parlay it to the fact that we all still had an invitation to his table as he moved onward and upward, and that can't be stated uh, without a lot of vigor and intent, because a lot of people move on to a national platform or different digital status, and they don't remember everybody. Um, but uh, Sekou knew that not only would we be there, but with our expertise and information, but also to support him as well.
6: Yes, sir. You know what was um, interesting, Jason? I got the experience of Sekou in Atlanta, right? But you know, you could be you in Atlanta, right? Uh, We could be us in Atlanta. Mandatory almost,
0: right? (laughs) Yeah, right?
6: What was really jarred was when I saw him in Indiana and saw him have the same, like, clout and rapport with a you know a different audience right i'm like oh so this guy just owns every room it doesn't even matter who's in the room he's got the room right like that 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 part was like, oh okay
5: could you guys maybe speak to a little bit about Sekou's writing style and kind of what made him stand out amongst the sea of other journalists and what made him that kind of guy
6: Thaeku is hilarious, man. He just brought, you know, I, I hate to, like, overuse this, like, kind of urban sense, but, you know, us coming from that setting, you know, him out of Grand Rapids, like, there's just a certain panache, right, that is sharp, but it's also, it invites you in, right? He, he had that type of criticism where you just always knew where it was coming from and it, it always had a little sugar in it, right? Like, you're going to laugh at this dude while he's killing you. So to me, like, there's no way you're not laughing around him. He was just so funny. And it didn't matter if he was talking about you or about somebody else. Like, he was going to make you laugh. And I I, I love that about his writing. I love the personality that kind of he infused into his work.
2: Oftentimes, I would, either as a guest or reading his stuff, particularly on NBA.com, um... It would. I always thought to myself, "Did he think I wasn't going to see this?" <laughs> and I and listen, I can, You see me right now. I can get kind of rah rah for my crew. I mean, there's a lot. I, I tell people all the time. I love baseball, but basketball's paid all my bills. So I get, I get serious about this. And uh, again, because he had such a working knowledge of our organization and understanding full well what you know pat riley led organization was all about when things weren't in that space he could speak to it in a way that only oftentimes beat reporters could do um, from this area let alone somebody that had a view from the outside looking in but that talks about the work right the homework the breadth of awareness reaching out sometimes before
6: something got done it's crazy when you think about like that almost innate ability too right like that's how how do you acquire that like where do you get that from what what school teaches you that it was nothing but a gift and and he used it seku i don't think he's ever big timed anybody in his life right so he used it in a manner that was like like helpful right he used it to elevate his craft to be an example right that, I just, I've never even heard anybody say a bad word about Sekou, right? Like, so to, to take that uh, cachet and be able to manipulate these spaces and kind of go in and out at every level, like you said, from the beat level all the way up to working for the NBA in a sense, right? Like, it, he just was the same magnet for for people and for information and for the relationships and you know, you do this long enough, that's the stuff that starts mattering anyway, right? Like, we all start trying to get the scoop and get the information. And man, man, we just... We just in this great, like, industry full of great people. We just valued that, you know? It, I mean, he was good, but it wasn't about that. It was about making sure other people were good. It was about translating his his like, gift and making sure other people could benefit from it like in my whole career that's what he was for me always helping i, I wish i could have helped him at all right like i didn't even do anything back but but yeah that, that's that's who he was it was just a gift it's transferable because of the relationships he built
2: on the beat it then turns into an ease and a warmth and a comfort when he's trying to put together a piece for for.com or he's on NBA TV in a talk back conversation, people show up and they light up, right? Partners can get a little jealous because he's the reason why. Yeah. Oh, who am I doing with? Oh yeah. I'm in. Uh, absolutely. Um, and it's because of what you know, what you know, even if you were a player that, you know, caught some criticism, it wasn't like this, this thing in your ribs. It's, Man, it's on the team, like you just really go ahead. <laughs> what you want me to
7: say.
2: <laughs> Like, I'm just I'm just right, this is what is going on. And equally providing the praise when things are rolling. Like that's that's the thing. And so when people showed up, including us, you know, on, on the podcast, or folks were showing up in the talkbacks uh, in the studios in Atlanta for NBA TV or anything Turner was up to, that's what radiated out of us, that ease and connection. Uh, that's Like you said, that's not a class he took a Jackson, man. That's that's a part of you and who you are.
5: Jason, Marcus, you both kind of touched on it. And Jason, you said that there is always room at Seku's table. Can you talk a little bit about how, or a moment when Seku just kind of made time for you? You know, he always seemed to always have time to reach out to someone with a text or an email or a voicemail or a call or something along those lines. Was there a time when he did that for either of you guys?
6: So my favorite time was my first all-star game. I ended up writing about this, uh, you know, wet, wetting my keyboard. But uh, so I'm at my first all-star game. And Jason, you know, like all-star games are this organized chaos, right? It's, it's so much about connections and networking. And I just remember I didn't even know where I was supposed to be. And it's just kind of overwhelming in that sense. And then I made what many in our industry would say was a mistake because I brought my wife with me, right? <laughs> they were like, you know, a lot of people were like, dude, why are you bring your wife to the law Sorry. <laughs> So not only did I not know what I was doing, but I, I literally had like a companion I'm supposed to be kind of like, I guess showing off my NBA wares, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know what I thought I was doing, but I just remember it being super overwhelming. I didn't know where to go and people were like, oh, I'm going to this party or I'm going to this Nike event. And I, I had no idea. I didn't even know these things existed. So uh, I just remember being in the lobby of the hotel, sitting there. My wife is there and I'm trying to like, Entertain her, right? Like, be a host, sure, sure, some things, but also want to find out, like, what's some things I can take her to, right? What's some things I can do? But I couldn't just, like, yo, go off and dip and leave her by herself with nobody. So it was tough trying to manage both. Uh, and I just remember giving up, like, all right, we just gonna go get something to eat, host in a hotel, whatever. And so here comes Seiku, and he sits down and he just starts talking, right? And we start talking, I introduce him, and it's just us three. And then he's talking to my wife and it's like, they're best friends. They never met before, but they're just best friends. He's talking. And it was such a relief to me. Cause then I like, all right, I'll be right back. Cause you know, say who kid, man, he's like a stand-up, Right. So she's over there busted up laughing. I leave. I have to go ask some people what to do. I have time to go. I even found an event to get us into. I got to send a Nike give it come back. And I was like, I got us set an event. We're going to go through this tomorrow. Thank you, Seku, for, like, occupying her. So then some people came by and was like, hey, uh, Seku, we about to go over here. He's like, nah, I'm going to hang with Marcus and his wife. And he just hung out with us. Like, we, didn't, we, I had my one event for the next day. I had nothing to do that day. He just hung out with us. And he shunned everybody. Else. I don't know if he knew, like, if he could tell that I was kind of this lost Like, didn't know what to do, but he was like, no, I'm going to hang with y'all. And this was important to me because, too, he was the first dude to say, yo, it's all right to have your family. Like, yes, I'm going to honor that. I'm not going to ridicule you for it. I'm not going to make it seem like you did a bad thing. It's like, yes, this dude is here with his wife, and that's good, and I'm going to spend some time with them. For me, that was, oh, man, that meant the world. Like, because I was already, like, you know, like, oh, I would do this and go against the grain and bring my wife. Uh, and as you know, Jason, this thing can be, this whole industry can be hard on relationships and marriages, right? So I, that was my big thing. I was like, I'm trying to make sure mine is preserved. I don't even know if he saw that or not, but he he acted as if he did. He acted as if he, if he thought, here's a young man trying to save his stuff. Here's a young man trying to do the right thing. I'm going to support him, right? But after that, Jason, that was it. I was like, "This is my god." First off, if you if you cool with my wife, you already won, right? Like, you you cool with my wife, you you, you won. That's it. And she's got that radar where she's like, "Yeah, I don't know if I like him." Or I don't <laughs> know. If I, she loves <laughs> say cool, loves whatever. We saw each other again. She's excited to see him. So, like that day, I was like, "This is not only." my guy, but this is a good dude. Like he understands me. And there was another opportunity where he liberated me. Like he made me get out of my own head and said, you, yeah, you free to be like, be you, man. And if that means you're going to wear some Jordans, if that means you're going to be a family man, if that means you bring your wife around, I, I, I'll vouch for it. And if I vouch for it, that means it's cool. So for me, that was it. That was like, yeah, this is my guy forever.
2: For me, it's just always, Providing me that place that I alluded to earlier, Kendall. He has never treated me differently if I was a worldwide leader or hosting reporter for the Miami Heat. But to think, to have the consistency with the Heat being up or down to always call me in for the pod or an idea for .dot com that that's not everybody's thing, right? Everybody wants to be around when that when that ESPN Amex is flipping out, right?
5: <laughs> Marcus, you kind of touched on it a little bit earlier, but talking about how Sekou kind of made it okay to be yourself, to pull up to the press room with Jays on. Could you both speak a little bit about what did Sekou mean for the next generation of black journalists and the impact that he's going to have for future generations?
6: For me, the the tough part, man, um I'm 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 a kid from East Oakland. I went to a black college. Like I never learned, (laughs) I never learned the, uh, the, I guess the traditional way, you know, I, I never got that particular training. Uh, it wasn't until I interned in Milwaukee with, uh, with Gary Howard, the legendary Gary Howard, that was my first newsroom, you know, that was my first like experience, um, and, you know, even Gary had to pull me aside like, hey, you know, there's a certain decorum, right? That I want you to walk into these rooms and, and stand out for the right reasons. And, you know, I was a little knucklehead. I, I didn't see the wisdom that what Gary was trying to teach me. You know, as you get older, you understand. So it was just my difficulty coming up was being this black kid in this predominantly white space, being this black kid from the hood in this predominantly white space and not really not really being groomed for something different. Uh, so for me, what Sekou, and I gotta shout out uh, Mark Spears, I hate to wait until we, we're in this type of situation to give somebody their flowers, but Sekou and Mark Spears, I mean, their their legacy is putting their arm around young people and saying, like, you are supported, right? You, you're gonna be good, it will work out, Everything you need, you got like you're good and you need to hear that. So I even do it now, like because they did it for me, I'm making sure like I'm, I'm hey, we got to put your arm. Come on, man. What do you need? What are you struggling with? Uh, I got you. That's what they did for me. A lot of people, Jason, you know, want to do what we do. Right. And they always are like, getting in. I want I want to do this. How do I get in? And they, and they have no idea <laughs> what's waiting for them in addition to the, the great stuff, right? In addition to being there for the greatest moments in sports, right? There's also some other things that you just have no idea. For me, it was just finding my comfort, my voice, trying to be myself. And Sekou and Mark Spears were the people who made sure I was confident in what I was doing, that it didn't matter where I was from, like I didn't have to assimilate but also I must say they weren't like either just, yeah, go, go do the food. Right. Like go <laughs> it was like, yo, if I was out of control, like, Hey man, there's limits to this. <laughs> right. You can't be in there with like a a tank top on and a Tupac beanie. Right. Like it's, there's a way you kind of got to be about it. So it's just the confidence they instill into young people. Right. I, I feel like that's a legacy that uh, we need to pass on. Like, Hey, I got you. You are not alone. You're probably at some publication or TV station that's being run by people who don't look like you. You probably have to deal with that all the time. But you got some people out here, right? You got some supporters. You got some people who will help you. You you have enough, and you're good. So go ahead and be great. And I feel like, to me, that's what Sekou's legacy is. And that's what I'm going to try to especially uh, emphasize as I continue my career.
3: I had
2: a different path you know I, I i grew up in the suburbs i went to an all-white university and i was entirely buttoned up coming into it and so what Sekus dynamic is is that there you don't have to have a certain way find your way you know yes, here he is yes. from michigan coming down to an hbcu running through this space where they're, they're simply the the folks that look like us play <laughs> you know what i mean and then you start to search a little bit after that but for, for, from from space, it's man, just you can. There isn't one way. You can relax a little bit. You can keep a little bit of your polish and 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 figure out a nice balance in that space, you know. And I think that's what a kid needs to know. Okay, listen, you need to learn how to synthesize yes. information. You need to.
6: <laughs> I had the same You had like, hold on, let me not get carried away. <laughs> yeah.
2: there, there are deadlines to meet. There's a professionalism to this, right? But we are kind of these walking brands that are connected to the massive place we work, the individuals that we are, um, looking at that path that Sacred walked and realized, you know what? I can become a excellent writer and that doesn't close the door for digital platforms and television. That's the springboard to that space. And of course he wasn't the first, but it's like, Is there someone that feels and sounds, on top of looking like me, the variety of voices that are allowed in this space? uh, You feel better about that.
5: Yeah, that's great. And I think it's safe to say that Sekou embodied what it meant to be a true professional. And before we head out of here, I just wanted to open up the floor for you guys to share any last words with our listeners about Sekou's lasting impact in your life and kind of what he's just meant to you before we head out?
6: Hey, so Jason, I owe uh, Sekou some money.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Way to be honest.
6: (laughs) Uh, When Sekou came to the Bay, right, uh, we were going to hang out. He was like, and you know, see, this is another thing a lot of people don't know. Um, When you're on the road, this is like company money, right? Like, so you're not spending your own money. So we had this thing if you are in town, you pay. And it's kind of backwards, right? It's normally like, hey, somebody come to your city. I got you. You in Oakland. I got you. But he's the one who's like, nah, like, <laughs> this ain't our, We're not spending our money. We're spending their money. So I got you, right? So, you know, we were going out to eat. So we stopped at Hawk Around. And this is so funny, Jason, because it's like... I was a, such a different person then, but I'm from Oakland. We didn't go to San Francisco. That, like, that's just that's just a different world. I didn't know much about San Francisco. I went for like a game or, you know what I'm saying? Like you go for something, but you just don't hang out in San Francisco. So I, we, we're at the Ritz and we're trying to find the park, which is impossible. Find the park. He's supposed to be in and out he's just getting a couple quotes and then he's out so he's like i can park right here right and of course everybody looks at me i'm the one from the bay and i'm like yeah you straight we go in do the interviews come out car gone like, <laughs> they to- they told that they waiting looking at the
2: other <laughs> corner waiting for y'all to walk
0: away
6: i did i mean so of course people are like yeah dude they in san francisco they told you like crazy like if you if you out of pocket, that your your car's gone. So me and who go to get the car. So we had to go to the police station and get the paperwork to go get the tow. So I'm sitting here, it's Jason. This is my second year on the beat. I, I'm making no money. I'm sitting here listening. I know I, I he's telling me, like, man, I can't believe you got my car. So roasted me the whole time. I trusted you, like, you know, he's roasted me. This is the last time I trust a dude from Oakland. I should have known you, ain't you no, know, you know, the whole time. So we get to the 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 place where he's paying, and I was like, I'm I'm terrified thinking how much it's gonna be. Cause I know I'm like, yo, I'm gonna pay for this. This is my fault. So they were like 180 bucks. This is like 2006, right? 180 bucks is a lot of money. I'm like, "Dang." There goes my there goes my spending money for, the you know, what I'm saying? Like that there there it go. So I'm like, "All right. I'm I'm about to pay him, but keep in mind he been roasting me the whole time. There was time for me to pay. He looked like, "What are you doing?" <laughs> and I'm like, "Man, I you know, I got your car towed. I need to pay you." He's like,
4: "Man, get out of here. You
6: ain't paying for this." Right. You know, like he he was roasting me. But then when it was time to pay, he's like, oh, no!" But I keep telling you, I got you. Why are you tripping? We're going to pay this. I'll figure out a way for the AJC to pay for it. We, you all good, Right. And I was I was so relieved because I thought I was on the hook for it. But the crazy part was I kind of wish I paid the 180 because I think I saw Sekou last, like maybe finals, 2019 finals it was up to like over a $1,000 that I owed him by the end. It was like, every time I saw him, <laughs> the price went up. Every time I saw him, it was like, yeah, remember that you were my $300 from the tow. Like, where are my, where are my 625 from the tow? So it's a $1,000 now, like, that I owe him just from the interest. <laughs> I should have just paid my 180 right? <laughs> he knew what he was doing. <laughs> that, that's my uh, last say coup memory. I, I owe him some money. Uh, but as my grandma said, as long as I owe you, you never be broke. There it is. I love that line. Listen, for me, it's this
2: wonderful contemporary dynamic. Like I didn't realize till after he passed that we were only three days apart uh, from birth, 72 babies. I didn't know that he played five sports in in high school. Um, Our timeline started where it started, which was professional and then become super friendly and, and appreciative. Along the way. And I think the lesson that we all should take from that is as stressful as it gets, as demanding as it becomes, let's be good to each other. I think it takes so much more of us to be good that we should tap into that. The, the easy thing is for us to lose our mind and snap at people, and this needs to be that way, and that needs to be this way, and you're not taking this story, all that type of stuff that seems to be so prevalent. And it is because it's the impulse that we're leading to putting forth the energy and the effort to make people feel good in a competitive environment, in a space where um, folks are simply focused on what they have to do. And then the next thing they have to do uh, will Uh, not only embody this man and extend his legacy, it's going to make you better, uh, not just as a person, but also you'll, you'll know it'll lift your craft a little bit because the people that are willing to take the time and spend the time and maybe even whisper some stuff you shouldn't even know that that will multiply itself because you're radiating that vibe.
5: Thank you guys both for being on here and sharing um, some memories. Uh, Marcus Thompson, Jason Jackson, uh, Marcus, um, I know you said you owed Seku about $1,000. Well, at Jackson State, they're accepting donations Already for... Hey, Scott, exactly. Let's go. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so that's a perfect way to pay tribute to him. Uh, once again, Marcus Thompson, Jason Jackson, thank you so much for being on here to, to help us honor our friend and brother, Seku Smith. And thanks once again for joining us here on the Hangtime Podcast. We'll see you next time. If you'd like to make a donation to the Sekou Smith Journalism Award Scholarship at Jackson State University, visit bit.ly backslash hangtimejsu. That's bit.ly backslash hangtimejsu. And be sure to select the Sekou Smith Journalism Award from the Choose a Current Use Scholarship menu. Welcome into to another special edition of the Hangtime Podcast. We're taking the time to remember and reflect on our friend Seku Smith. Helping us do that today, we have Chris Haynes and 3D Dennis Scott. Guys, thank you so much for joining us today. Good to be here. Off the bat, I just want to ask you guys, when was the first time that you guys met Seku? What was your first kind of memory that you have
7: or interaction you have with him? I was actually working with the Atlanta Hawks at the time, and uh, he was with the Indiana Pacers. And it's funny because I didn't know who Sekou was at the time. And Chris, you know this. Sekou was a little heavier dude at the time in Indiana. So everyone knows my first retired, I had gained some weight too. So it was like a little joke that we had a- amongst ourselves. Like, I was like, wait a minute, dude. Who'd you play for at least I played for somebody. At least I had an excuse for, for gaining a few pounds. So that was really how our relationship started by messing with one another. And he has a knack for knowing how to poke at you, even though he might have had the same issue of weight, but he still would poke at you anyway. And then come to find out years later, he moves to Atlanta. He's working with the Hawks. Then myself, he and Arthur Trish and Steve Smith. We called ourselves the barbershop crew, and we sat on the back of the plane, and we traveled with the Hawks those first couple of years when they were struggling under Mike Woodson when they won, I think it was 13 games and 22 games and 26 games. So it was just amazing to see his growth as a journalist. and Obviously, he turned into a TV guy, but for me, Chris, that was the first time of me understanding who Sekou Smith was.
3: So I knew who Sekou was, obviously, even I even. Got into the industry because there was only a handful of black national reporters who I looked up to who were holding that space. You know, with was Sekou, David Aldridge, Mark Spears, Chris Broussard. That might have been it at that time. So what I named about four. Sekou was, you know, I was always, I, I thought of him as this big time guy uh, even before he got on TV because uh, 3D, I don't know if you Remember seeing this, but in the Indiana Pacers arena. So, in the press room, they will put a big picture of all the people who cover their team. And it was like all the beat riders, like it was, it was, I think I had like four pictures of just like the last four beat riders. That was like their theme. That's what the Pacers did. And you see a big picture of Seiku just right there in the media room. And I thought that was so dope. I'm like, damn, like, I want to cover the Pacers. Like, man, like, they they do that. And I just thought, like, I just thought that was such a big deal. You Then I talked to Sekou about it. He like, hey, oh man, I don't know why they got that big picture of me up there. Like, I hate that picture. But the first time I met, like, really interacted with Sekou. He reached out to me. It was 2014. I had just gotten the job to cover the Cleveland Cavaliers for the Cleveland Plain Dealer. And that's when LeBron came back, after he left Miami, came back to Cleveland, and say, cool, sent me a DM, and I was like, bro, I'm proud of you, man, you're doing your thing, keep it up, and that meant so much, and then from there on, whenever we seen each other, it was all, it was all love, it was like, it's like, you know, I equated to his presence in Atlanta, I equated to, like, rappers, like, when a New York rapper gotta go to L.A., and they wanna get around town, they gotta call somebody to check in, like, check in, show me around, like, let everybody know I'm good, you know, so that was like, you know, you got people like that in the the writing industry, like, certain towns you get in, you call them up, hey, where do I go? Where where can I go for food? And then, you know, every now and then, uh, they'll come and escort you themselves and personally. That was say cool in Atlanta. You know, I met him first time about 2011, but our relationship kind of started growing 2014 and on. Yeah, 3D,
5: you kind of mentioned... Sekou's transition from writer to NBA TV kind of personality what was it about kind of Sekou's writing style or journalistic style and how he carried himself as a as a journalist that really stood out to you guys
7: Chris can attest to this because Chris has done a hell of a job in doing this when you go beyond your journalistic duties to write a good article you have to get to know the athlete and stay cool by being crafty by poking at you you know messing with you that was his way of getting to know you and the more he got to know you that's when he was able to be more creative in writing his article so If a player may be going through something on the court, it's easy to write something. He's playing bad. He's shooting this. He's doing this. Or he can't make a shot. or Well, Sekou may say, well, you know what? I just did a little extra research where the kid may be going through something personal in his life that no one else knows. But that player has shared it with Sekou. And Sekou has used it in a way that no one knew that Sekou knew it, but he wrote the article in the way, instead of killing the guy, he said, well, you know what? Look at that, look at it like this, people. Blase, blase, whatever that may be. And I think a lot of guys have talked about it, that Sekou took a lot of secrets to his grave. And to me, that's what made him so valuable and that's what made him so good in his craft because he was able to use secrets and he was able to use information to write quality columns and articles and, and be a part of, you know, his great MVP ladder. The hang time podcast got better and better each year because of the relationships and the information that he had. So I hope I answered your question. I think I pass it over to Chris now to that's how, to me, why his journalism was so good.
3: 3D, the, um, I mean, you hit it head on when you're talking about his knack for, you know, developing relationships and and holding those bonds. I remember, you know, going into, like a, you know, a young guy, you know, young guy going into the locker rooms and there's certain guys that, draw this type of traffic once they step into a locker room. You know, when I first started covering the league, you know, Sekou and, and Mark, Mark Spears, when they walk into a locker room, you see all the players gravitate towards them, like start talking, chopping it up. And it was like, you know, you and you see it once and you may think, okay, he just, you know, they they spend a lot of time in this market. That's, uh, you know, okay, that's to be expected. And then, you know, as you go on, you see that, this is the case everywhere. You know, we could be in Indiana. We can be in uh, Atlanta, New York, L.A. It doesn't matter. Like, these dudes draw attention. Sekou was that dude. And it's funny because I laugh at it because, uh, like, Sekou's this little short dude but he just walks in everywhere like he owns the place. Like he's looking at you yeah. eye to eye. You know what yeah. I mean? Like yeah. he just got, yeah. <laughs> he yeah. just, he's this <laughs> little grumpy dude. And I don't know if people, people didn't get to see that side of him, you know, but he he's a grumpy dude, man. Like he's a, a shit talker. Like he would really like give it to you. He don't take no stuff. And it's funny. To be to hear him talking all that stuff, I'm like, say, cool, what you gonna do, man? You fine, fine. Like what you like who you gonna take out, man? Like, oh, I play it. I ain't playing. But one thing I, I respect about him is those relationships that he had. And that's key to being an effective journalist, you know, because um you need insight, you need background, and you don't get that information if these individuals don't trust you. And not just trust you, but aside from that, he's just a good dude to be around. You know, if somebody you can laugh and joke with, he'll ask about your, your, your mom, your dad, your family. It was deeper than just covering these players. You know, he, like Seifu, one of those guys who really cared uh, for you as an individual. So those are things, seeing that as a young journalist, those are things that I incorporated into my style. And uh, he definitely has a tree out there. There's a lot of a lot of us young folks that we kind of, you know, we were groomed under that.
7: And add to that, Chris. It's fun now, you know. Like we talk about it, and I use you as an example because you've been around guys like KD and Steph and, and Draymond. Sometimes we, as ex players, not go through it now because I'm on the other side of the fence. The truth needs to be told, but there's a way how you can still tell the truth, knowing that today's athlete is a little more sensitive back than we played in the '90s. But when you build those type of relationships you can tell the truth because now that player knows you're not really trying to degrade them or hurt them. You're actually helping them by telling the truth and how it's being told because sometimes the brutal truth needs to be told.
5: One of the recurring themes that we've kind of noticed from talking to different people is the fact that Seku always managed to find time for other people, whether that was a young journalist who was... In college, reaching out to him to learn about how to effectively cover a story or a beat or someone he'd been working with at NBA.com for the last 10 years or so. He always seemed to find time to reach out to them, whether it was a text, call, voicemail, whatever. He found time for them. Can you think of a time when Seku just made time for you, when maybe you were at a low point
3: and he was just kind of there for you? In this business, just like any other competitive profession, you know, it's cutthroat. There's a lot of beefs that go on behind the scenes. There's a lot of backstabbing that go on behind the scene. I'm talking about with writers. You know, we're all chasing the same story. You know, you have writers that refute other writers just to do it because they didn't get the story. And, you know, you got, it's just, it's like the way it's set up, man, it's not designed for us to be all in unity. You know, obviously we have the Pro Basketball Rides Association, they do a good job of keeping things together. But, you know, I'm just being real. Like, there's a lot of beasts, there's a lot of stupid things that go on on social media. People not crediting this and all that. But, say, who is one of those dudes that if you got a story on his turf, he'll hit you up and be like, hey, bro, good story. And, like, genuinely mean it. Like, Really happy for you that he got that story. Now he's going to try definitely get the next one, but that's unheard of nowadays. Like somebody that will credit you and give you that respect, say who was like that. Like everybody has an ego to a certain extent, but his ego didn't prevent him from issuing love and respect and time to others, and that's tough to do, especially when, when some people you can see as a threat. 3D would know more about this part, and I was in the bubble with with Sekou for the last few months, and I'm very glad and honored that I got to spend that time with him, because we were riding bikes every day. I got to know a lot about him. I'm a person that just, I have a, a genuine interest in people. And so, I always like to know about their backgrounds. And he always talked about how he much he loved his mom, you know, who had passed away. You know, to he's happy Deion Sanders is over there, you know, at his alma mater. But he, he was talking about they're going to start asking him to start paying more as a booster, you know, because, you know, it was he had his hands in a little bit of everything. But this one thing I will say about Sekou, he would tell me, I'm going in to do my job and then I'm out. He was like, You see all these people that, That'll come in and they'll, they'll be talking and just probably saying they, they'll, they'll finish their job and they just be hanging around, talking and saying, doing too much. They mess around, say something, get themselves in trouble. He said, when I'm done work, I'm going home. I'm about my money, so I ain't playing that, that extracurricular. I'm going home. And so uh, I, I just love the fact that how he, he was always there for people, even through the, the thick of competition. And, uh, you know, I just value his professionalism.
7: We had a show on NBA TV called The Jump, the original Jump. And it was me, Kyle Montgomery, and Brent Barry and Sekou. And it was built around social media, you know, literally 11, 12 years ago when we first started there at NBA TV. And after the fourth show, the bosses said, hey, this doesn't need to be an internet show. This needs to be on TV. And if you remember, Sekou stood up for the whole hour at a computer. I do remember that, yeah. And he talked to the people, Yeah, to your question. And he would stroll through. Back then, it was Yahoo Messenger, AOL Messenger, Twitter would just start. There was no Instagram yet, if you remember. So I think it was Twitter, Yahoo, and maybe Facebook. Those were the three. It wasn't even Snapchat yet. So all of that to the question about talking to the people, finding that right question, finding that right comment. Well, hey, yo, 3D Kyle Brent. You know, there's this dude named Chris Haynes out there in in California. He's an upcoming writer. He, He has this great concept. Let's go give him some love. Sekou was the one that would go find those people back then. I think it was the fourth or fifth show. We're on NBA TV, no longer in that show. So that's another small example of how Sekou would reach out to the people. That's awesome. Could you guys share maybe, like, a funny
5: story or memory that you have with Seku just over the years? I know you guys probably have a bunch. I know, Chris, some of the shenanigans in the bubble. I know we heard a few of those,
7: like, journeys. uh, But anything like that to share? I think the – I told the one we were back in the plane, that was always funny because he would always, you know, mess with Dominique or, or Mike Woodson. He hated being late. He was one of those guys is like, come on, boss. Like I think Chris knows they like, come on, boss, we we gotta be on time balls, you know. That's what I think we probably took for granted that during the finals, during the playoffs, if there was a media availability and you had to be somewhere at a certain time, where are you at, man? Come on, man, let's go, boss. You know, coaches around the corner. Just little stuff like that is kind of what I'm I think I'm reflecting on that. I can honestly say I I kind of took for granted because we never thought we'd lose him so early that I'm I'm already missing, you know, on a Friday night. Come on, man, let's go, man. Get your makeup. We got to be on set. Let's go balls. Let's go balls. You know he was just he could dish it and he could take it, and
3: it was just always funny just coming from him. Like where where he clown me about I don't know the way I walk or you know I don't know, but I will always get on him because of his big head. You know I was like man that that head don't match your body, say cool and you know we had it was it was one time when we had um, uh, barbers who were allowed to finally cut the media because for for a long time in the bubble I'm talking about, so for a long time it was just for the players and i just i just remember, <laughs> I just remember uh, you know say cool, get on you about any and everything didn't matter, but uh he was about to sit down and get his hair cut, and I am like, man. You know, they're going to charge you double for that cut. He, he just bust out laughing. He was just a genuine dude when it came to just having a good time, man, e- even if it was at his expense. And so, you know, there's a, there's a ton of our bike stories that I've, I've told already, but I, I just miss just shooting the breeze with him, man, just him calling it straight. Just I, I would never like – he was filled with so much life in the bubble to where – you know, I couldn't believe that you know we're all where we're at right now. You know I, I said this before. You know he told me we're in the bubble that we're in the safest place in the world right now. And you know when we leave here, things are going to be different. And you know that made sense then, but you know I'm definitely it's it's something that it's crazy to think about right now. So I, I just miss. I just feel sorry for the family. His wife, man. He loved his kids, man. Loved his wife. We had so many stories and conversations I would never dare talk about publicly, but man, this dude was funny, man. Uh, I miss him, man. It's hard, like I said, it's hard to think that, you know, we're, we're in this position right now, man.
5: Thank you for that, Chris. And you touched on it a little bit earlier, Well, what do you think the impact Sekou has had on the next generation of black journalists Talking about you being kind of like that, that generation after him and him, what's he kind of set in place for the next
3: wave coming forward? I want to give so much props to the Atlanta Hawks, man. What they did in honor of Sekou, man, it brought me to tears. They're going to rename the press room at State Farm Arena the, the Seiku Smith press box something like that press room they're going to give an annual award to a hawks player who exhibits uh you know good conduct and good relationship with the media he's going they're going to give an internship every summer to a media a journalist major student in the SWAC conference and i want to say this man i want to give you know credit also to to mark spears i know he was doing some things behind the scenes and working with the hawks to try to come up with something to honor say man and you know i'm just i'm just all about cherishing cherishing people while they're here but i'll give credit to the hawks but to your question black journalists it's really difficult for us to to come up in this field you know even with basketball you know you may think it's a lot of us but if you look at the percentage, it is really low, and it's basketball. That's why I give so much credit to the Hawks in providing an internship for young black journalists to be able to write and get a copy and get a professional copy as an intern. Because that's only going to help you get that real job when it's time for you to hit the market. That's so big. It's so impactful because we don't have those resources. I, I didn't have that. I came up, I was blessed. I was blessed the way I came up in, in the game. I was blessed the way I was able to do it. Most people aren't afforded that type of situation. So I just think having somebody like Sekou who did this business right, did it the way it's supposed to be done. You, you can't find one person that'll say a negative thing about him in our industry. You can't because he did everybody right, even if you did him wrong. And uh, I just think that just lays a person like him, his professionalism, lays the blueprint for how we are to conduct ourselves out there. And maybe we incorporate, you know, different things depending on who you take it from. But, you know, a guy like cool man, you know, this is going to, like, that's going to be named, that room is going to be named after him forever.
5: Uh, before we wrap up, um, I just want to give you guys the opportunity to just, we have our listeners, or just any last thoughts that you wanted to share about Sekou's impact on your life before you head out of here.
7: I think this past year has been very taxing on all of us in the whole basketball world. When you think about David Stern, think about Kobe. There's a lot of people associated to our game that we've lost this past year and a half, two years, even before COVID hit. And then now COVID takes us to a whole nother level. So to answer your question, for all the people in our lives that we truly love, that we truly feel like they've impacted our lives, my advice is to just give that person a hug. because for me, and I think, Chris, I speak for you because you were in the bubble. You were on those bike rides. I didn't get a chance to go to the bubble because I had hip surgery. But I had a chance to work with him those last two weeks of his life. And I thought I was going to see him that next Friday like I normally would see him walking to the studio. And I didn't. So make sure you hug everyone that you love.
3: What I remember in um, regards to Sekou is that uh, you know I told my wife about this is that i'm 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 a private person you know i got all uh, i got a number of daughters i got four daughters and i'll kill for my daughters and so with that being said i don't really put them out there you know i don't really put family pics out there anything of that nature i i rarely talk about them out there i don't know if there's a justification but that's just me that's how i'm wired that's that's my thought process but say like, who is talking about his family every day like talking about his wife and, you know, just tell me about like, man, I'm not looking forward to getting back home because my wife's going to put me on this diet. And, you know, I'm already eating bad here in the bubble. But then when I get home, I can't eat what I want to eat, you know? So he, he was like always you know, talking about that. And, you know, he was mad at his daughter at one point. They snuck and got a, she snuck and got a tattoo while he was in the bubble. And, uh, But even through all that type of stuff, like, you know, just the annoying things that he would talk about of what he was annoyed by, he always praised them. Like, always praised them, uplifted them, Um, talked about them, kept their name alive. And in doing so, like, I felt kind of guilty. Like, I was like, man, should I be talking about my family more? Should I do... You know, I I felt like... I felt something. Like, I I still don't know, like, what's the... The best way to handle that, go about that. But um, it really inspired me just how much he loved his family and how much he talked about them. You know, as a man, you got to love that. You got to love it because we got so many men, period, that don't take responsibility for their kids, don't hold themselves accountable. And here it is a man who's done that his whole life and he loves it. And so um, it put things in perspective for me. This hurts, I I still can't believe it's still processing it. I don't, I don't take death well as it is, but um, you know, when somebody is close, this is the first one 3D for me, like where COVID actually hit home. I've known some people like from a distance, you know, that got it or some that might have passed from it, but it was nobody that I talked to on a regular. It was nobody that was in my group um, text messages.
5: Chris Haynes, 3D Dennis Scott, joining us here and sharing some really impactful stories and memories about our dear friend and brother, Sekou Smith. Thank you guys so much for joining us here on the Hangtime Podcast. We'll see you next time. If you'd like to make a donation to the Sekou Smith Journalism Award Scholarship at Jackson State University, visit bit.ly backslash hangtimejsu. That's bit.ly backslash hangtimejsu. And be sure to select the Seiku Smith Journalism Award from the Choose a Current Youth Scholarship menu.
4: Due to the outpouring
8: of love from the NBA community, we wanted to give Seiku's friends from around the
4: league an opportunity to share a memory, story, or kind word. Hi, this is Rachel Nichols from ESPN, and I know that there was an era before everybody in the NBA just knew Sekou Smith, but (laughs) that was a hell of a long time ago. For the past couple of decades, Sekou has been a fixture, and not because he went around showboating, but because he went around and talked to everyone all the time. Famous and not famous, big and small, a million conversations, a million threads that wove him into the fabric of every team, every player, every big story. And oh boy, everyone keeps talking about Seku's kindness, which was absolutely a towering part of his personality. But what always made him even more fun for me was that this man could and would trash talk with the best of them. So you'd be getting the warmest smile, the kindest vibe, and then a laser-sharp insult all rolled into one. He was fantastic fun. And I'll never forget the last time I saw him. We were in the bubble together this summer, and on one of the final days we were all in Orlando, the NBA opened up one of the restaurants on the property for a media lunch, sort of a, hey, we all survived kind of thing, right? Uh, it was open seating, and I was very happy to score a spot next to Seku because I knew the conversation wasn't going to be some endless rehashing of the game the night before or some gripe about our conditions. Instead, we talked about our kids. We talked about his plans for when he got back to Atlanta. I don't know how much of what he told me that day he was actually able to go do before he got sick, but I know I will always be so grateful I got to hear him that one last time. The joy, the shit talk, the laugh we won't ever forget. I miss you, Stako. We all do.
9: Hi, this is Rex Chapman. Oh, man, what a year. Um, I can't believe, I can't believe seku has gone. I don't know about all the memories and stuff like that. We had so many nights of downtime where we're talking about family and his kids and my kids and his parents and my parents. And the one thing I came to find very quickly about Seku is he had so many more interests than basketball. Um, He was an expert in a lot of things. Used to like when he does off during break on set. <laughs> um, but just a brilliant, brilliant guy. Um, I think the best, I don't know, best memories I had of the last year are trading texts with him during all the unrest. He had so many wise thoughts as to what was going on. But I'm going to cherish those texts. Forever. Hopefully I can share him with his family someday. What a beautiful man. I miss you, Sekou. I love you, buddy. Rest, rest, rest.
8: Hello, this is Sam Amick from The Athletic. Uh, when I think of Sekou, my dear friend, I think of the word that's not really a word. It's not So we're covering the 2014 FIBA World Cup in Spain, a pretty small group of American media. Seku's one of them. His dear friend and and mine, too, and colleague, John Schumann, is there, Mark Stein, Casey Johnson, not very many American reporters, know. when we would watch these games, and every time there was a dunk, the Spanish announcer would scream, (laughs) smash And For some reason, Sekou thought this was hilarious, and it became a thing during our entire time there, and to bear in mind, you're American in a foreign land, you're kind of sticking together in a place that... You're navigating through Madrid and Barcelona and trying to have a good time doing it, but he was such a joyful person and uh, and that word uh, just always brings a smile to my face. Uh, rest in peace, my friend. We'll miss you. Hi, this is uh, Ernie Johnson with inside the nBA um, I never really got much of a chance to work directly with seku and i and um, I feel like I really missed out because. I would say the majority of our interactions took place in these viewing rooms where basketball games were on outside the studio. And um, even in that setting, uh, you knew that this was a guy who was doing something for a living that he got to do, not something that he had to do. This was a real privilege for him that he poured his heart into it. Uh, he used to love to pick his brain about anything going on in the NBA because I knew he had all the answers. He was a guy who was engaging, uh, ultimately prepared, uh, and just a pro's pro. And they don't hand out respect, uh, in this business. You have to earn it. And Sake, we did that. To Heather and to the kids, Gabriel and Cameron and Riley, um, uh, praying for y'all, um, that in this most difficult of times, we've had your world rocked, uh, that God will give you that peace that surpasses all understanding. We love you all, and we're here for you.